0: every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe.
2: War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by Jason Campbell, here to talk Everything Auburn. We've got a great episode for you today. Clearly, my spirits are really high because we are, of course, going to talk about the wonderful news that was finally released that players can return. Can I get an amen, everybody? I am so excited to talk about that, talk about what that means for the entirety of the season for college football. We're also going to be talking about some other different notable news involving Auburn Athletics, the Auburn family, we've got a really well-rounded episode for you. And then we have an awesome guest joining us today, former Auburn standout, now co-offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach, Cody Burns, is going to be joining us to talk about what they're doing to prepare for the return of these athletes come June 8th. We'll also, of course, have him reflect on that wonderful 2010 season. So you want to stick around for that interview for sure. Well, Jason, I'm going to go ahead and put you on blast, my man. How's it going when you sit there signing those autographs like you just told me?
3: Hey, you know, at least somebody loved me around here. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm still feeling the love, you know. So I enjoy signing (laughs) autographs. And, uh, you know, what can I say, Telly? I'm sitting here with a packed stomach from yesterday's eating. Oh, yeah. Sunday's eating, Saturday's eating. I don't know about you, but Memorial Day weekend is kind of like a big deal. Um, You know, you remember it. So, all the veterans who fought for our country and, you know, Mm -hmm. put their lives on the line. Of course, I've had family members that was part of the, that was part of, you know, being a a veteran. And uh, Mm -hmm. then those that you just lost that you worked so closely with as well. But at the same time, though, I'm feeling great. I feel good. I'm excited. I just finished working out. So, you know, got my 45-minute workout in for the day. Might another one this evening. If you haven't been following me on Instagram, campbell 17 <laughs> you wouldn't know that I like to ride bikes. <laughs> so I have been riding bicycles for like 14, 15 miles every other day. So I feel great
2: shameless plug for that Instagram. I see you. I see you. Yeah. When, uh, when we first got on here and we were testing mics, I was like, Jason, you sound kind of quiet. I don't know if something's messed up. He was like, Oh no, I was just far away. Cause I'm signing autographs. <laughs> okay. Not the typical day in Taylor Davis land. I'll tell you that much, but let's go ahead and dive right on in. I do want to reiterate, like Jason said, happy late Memorial day to all of the brave men and women who have put their lives on the line for our freedom, We certainly hope that you feel appreciated every day, but definitely in this past holiday weekend. We hope everyone had a great time and was able to maybe get out and do a little bit because it feels like things are slowly starting to creep towards that normalcy again. At least we hope so. Which that takes us right into our first story. So let's go ahead and take that segue. The SEC approved return of voluntary athletic activities starting on June 8th. Now, obviously other Power Five conferences have opted for this as well. So have individual universities but we're just talking about sec here let's be real now all of this has still been a decision granted to each individual layer so i wanted to go ahead and mention that so first the ncaa voted and it was approved from there the conferences vote from there the individual universities also make their own decision in accordance with state government local government and university officials and auburn said we'll see you june 8th so war damn eagle to that it's still not full speed ahead and, and diving right back into what, you know, maybe spring ball would have been like, but this is progress. And honestly, I will take any progress that we can get right now.
3: Yeah, when you think about this, um, everything is going to be done in stages. And, you know, mm-hmm. for, like, for a lot of these young kids, a reality is about to set in. Notable uh, you know, especially ones coming out of high school, right into college. Um, you know, I've talked about this before, you know, I've told these kids that I noticed heading to college that that live nearby. I've said, guys, when you get there, everything's going to be uploaded to three times as what you would be doing. If you normally would have got there as soon as you, your graduation was over, I said, mm-hmm. because the clock is ticking. And, uh, if there's going to be a season, the most important thing is for you to be in tip top shape. I say, otherwise, injuries occur. I say, you have to make sure you're taking care of your body and making sure you're pushing yourself in these workouts when you're by yourself or if you were with two or three other guys and y'all are putting in work, that you're pushing each other mm-hmm. because it's going to be up tempo. And uh, if you are a young kid just coming out of high school and you're trying to play this year, not red shirt, you really going to have to step it up and you really going to get your head in a playbook as soon as possible. These virtual um, meetings that you're having with your coaches. These are things that you have to take seriously. Once you get off that virtual meeting, you need to dive head first into that playbook at least for another hour and a half or two hours and make it mean something to you. Make it become part of your lifestyle if you want to if you want to be great or you want to have opportunity to to get on the field. Otherwise, you will redshirt and there's nothing wrong with redshirt. You know, some guys need it uh, for maturity. Some guys need it for, you know putting more weight on and, you know, becoming more of a, a bigger mass body, you know, to be able to handle the pounding of playing in, in these big conferences and playing at the next level. Um, but my most important question is, you know, I just wonder how they're going to do with the workouts. Is it going to be 10 guys at a time? Is it going to be right. 20 guys at a time? And You know, every hour and a half they alternate, they're working in different guys until they can get to the point where, you know, where our government system has said, okay, you know, now you can have full team activities, which I don't expect until probably late July or early August. But I just wonder what's the format's going to be as far as like these workouts.
2: I do too. I agree with you. I think it is going to be gradual because the last thing you want is to see a complete, you know, shoot up of cases, coming back and, and emerging in, in the football sphere, because then we're going to go right back to where we were, and we're not going to be anywhere close to a football season. And the health and well-being of these students and staff is priority one. So no one is, is discrediting that. And I think the SEC, as well as each individual university, has things in place. They have staffs of people that are focused solely on making sure this goes smoothly, But I think that this is incredibly essential to get to the point where we could have a season because we all know the shape and conditioning of these guys is probably going to be the biggest hurdle for them because as much as they have been taking their own initiative and doing their best and and being self-disciplined at home, it's a completely different situation when you are with your strength and conditioning coach, when your nutrition is being tracked. So they've got to get into season form. And I think that this is a, a great first step there still are a lot of questions, and I want to get your input on these, Jason, because this these decisions are up to the individual conference, the individual universities. So when you're dealing with that, do you see that this could potentially change a football season for each individual university? And what I mean by that is if one school opts to begin season at, at the anticipated time late august early september but another school in their conference says no we're not playing until october does that mean that season then pushes later into the winter or does that one particular school cancel some of their games like where where are these discrepancies going to show up in the long run
3: yeah i think there's a couple of things i think one is everyone has to be on the same board in order for this to happen you know, even though Kentucky and Vanderbilt may not start June 8th, I think they at least have to start by June 20th. And the reason I say that is you can't be two and three weeks behind on preparing for a season if there's going to be one because this, the thing is, it's not just the SEC schools that are involved. When you think about Auburn's schedule and some of the regional games that they're playing, you know, against North Carolina here in Atlanta, and you think about them playing against Alcorn State, uh, the first game mm-hmm. of the year, Teams like Alcorn State and, and, and smaller schools, they need to play teams like Auburn as bad as, as, as much as anything. And the reason I say that is because Auburn probably pays them about $880,000 to play us. That takes care of a lot yep. of their other sports programs on their campus, and it helps fund some of their mm-hmm. facilities. So, you know, Auburn, yes, we get big donations from some of our donors, but at the same time, even at Auburn and some of these big schools, Georgia's and LSU's and everything, when you think about these schools, a lot of the sports are programs are built off how much revenue comes in off the football program, because it's your biggest revenue bringing asset to the university. So you think about that, you think about other coaches' jobs, you think about equipment managers, you think about people that does the radio shows, the TV, the analysts. It's so many people that are tied into this. You think about some of the buildings that get built around campus. You know, so much comes off of the the huge programs that football brings. It's so much that goes into this. I understand the SEC wants to get this right, and they want to have football, and you think about – SEC, Southeast, you think about, it's almost like a religion football is. Mm -hmm. And people, Mm -hmm. it does so much for your community, you know, especially like the state of Alabama, the state of Mississippi. There's no NFL teams. There's no NBA teams. So people live for the football season of Auburn and Alabama and, and Ole Miss and Mississippi State. They live for that. I think, you know, honestly, everyone just needs to stay in prayer about this and hopefully we can get to a point where we really have a season because it does affect so many lives and it brings so many emotions out of people. You know, people can be having a bad day, but they go to a ball game and have a good time. They feel better. You know, it's just so much. So we just got to make sure that everyone is on one accord. You can't have uh, two people saying we're not going to do this and then other nine people saying we're going to do this. I think at some point before the end of the month of June is out everyone in the SEC has to be on the same account and the same board in order for this to happen.
2: Right. Because then you know good and well, if if one school opts to not have a season at all, you're going to hear the, the, the annoying fans come out the woodworks, then it's that that championship didn't really count because not everyone was playing. Like this football season will be discredited. So it just, there's so much that still needs to happen. But I, I want to I wanna go back to what you were saying just about how much sports means to people. And this has really been irking me, something that I've noticed throughout this entire pandemic. And I I just want to speak to it a little bit. Like with all of this news, I feel optimistic. Honestly, for the first time in months, I'm not just saying it so to put positivity out there. I really do feel more positive about all of this. And like I said, this trend could quickly go downhill if disciplined and strict precautions are not taken with all of these returns. And I care just as much about their health and well-being as anyone you'll meet. But the reality is we may have a college football season. It is looking more and more that way. And you know what? It's okay for me to feel that way and be happy about it. I'm so tired of seeing the arguing and the uproar because people have differing opinions on all this. Like if you don't agree that players should be heading back, that's fine. If you're not comfortable attending a game in person, that's fine. But if you're ready to be in that stadium in body paint with 80,000 fans, that's Also, fine, we have got to stop attacking people for having differing views on this. Sports can bring people together. That is something that I truly love most about sports. So stop letting this pandemic and our differing views on it affect the unifying ability that sports can have. Respectfully disagree if that's what you need to do, but stop attacking people for the way they feel about all this.
3: Yeah, because uh, the whole thing is, and everything in life, the one thing we always have have dealt with is, it's hard to come to agreement. I think, like I said, everybody's got to take this thing one step at a time, one stage at one stage at a time. And I do believe if you do those things and everyone stays disciplined and everyone work together, I do believe we could be where we want to be at the time that we need to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's everyone just got to hold each other accountable and everyone's got to understand there's never been an easy road to anything in life, anything mm-hmm. worth having. There's have been, there have been bumps in the road. There have been a grind and, uh, this pandemic, it happened. And like I said, you're either going to come out of this a better person or you're going to come out of this the same or worse. And it's all, right. a lot of the times it's a mindset. I always say, you know, mind over matter, you know, don't. Focus so much on the matter that you mentally put yourself in a state of mind where you're already feeling defeated. Be positive minded so that you feel right. like you already won and then things will start to transpire mm-hmm. around you. And, uh, you know, your circumstances are, a lot of times are, is what how you think. And uh, like I said, you know, we're moving in a positive direction. Things are happening. Things are changing. We just have to be smart in the way that we do it and just do it in an accountable way. And I think we can be where we need to be.
2: I completely agree with that. So I, for one, am very excited. No one attack me for being excited because (laughs) I think that this is a step in the right direction and there are enough people overseeing this effort to make sure that these student athletes are taken care of. But I want to move on to the next talking point because this was also quite big news. The younger brother of Auburn legend Cam Newton Kalen Newton announces his transfer to Auburn. The former Howard quarterback announces commitment to Auburn for the remainder of his eligibility as a grad student. Kalen is eligible to play immediately. He will still have two seasons of eligibility And he did have some success at Howard. He is best known for helping Howard upset UNLV 43 to 40 as a true freshman in week one of the 2017 season. It was the biggest upset in the history of college football by point spread. He was later named the 2017 Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference Rookie of the Year and the 2018 MEAC Offensive Player of the year. So this guy did have some success in his last year after a coaching change. He played through the first four games of Howard's season before announcing publicly that he would be entering the NCAA's transfer portal and redshirting to preserve his season season of eligibility. So that's why he still has two seasons left. One thing that I think is interesting, because obviously when you hear Cam Newton's brother, you think, oh, well, Bo better watch out. But He did post a video of himself on Instagram working out as a wide receiver, which hinting that he's open to a position change. He actually Mm -hmm. said, need me to catch? I got you. Need me to run? I got you. Need me to throw? I got you. I'm your guy. And I think that is the right way to head into this situation because it's also worth noting he is not built like Cam. He is six foot one ninety-five. So he is not the monster that Cam Newton was. But I think that this guy, as we see, has some real athletic ability that Auburn could benefit from. I'm unsure if it would be enough to take Bo Nix's position. But if this guy just wants to play and he is gonna put his his skills wherever on the field, I, I think this could be a real benefit for Auburn.
3: Yeah, I think uh Gus and, and the coaching staff probably sat down in the room and said, Hey, I'm pretty sure they met about this and said, you know, we bring in Cam Newton's brother. You know, the first thing people going to think is, oh, what is he's taking Bow's position. And I don't think exactly. that's the case. You know, I think they're bringing this kid in as an athlete. And what I mean by that, he can play multiple positions. And like I said, he's not mm-hmm. built like Cam. You know, Cam is sits six and 255 pounds, you know. That's massive. So he's totally different. And uh, I think they feel like, hey, there are some opportunities You know, with with our offense now that we can utilize this guy in different ways and he can Mm -hmm. touch the football in different ways. And guess what? We don't really have a backup quarterback. And so if something was to happen to Bo, this kid can come in and he can fill in and still run the same offense. And Chad and Coach Chad Morris doesn't have to change anything because we have a we have someone that already has been playing quarterback at the college level and we're not trying right. to implement him give him experience he's already experienced so we can start out using him all over the field in multiple ways and i think that's why they want to bring him there because it makes sense it makes sense from mm-hmm. a from a business standpoint it makes sense from a from a, pro, a college football standpoint because this kid can play receiver this kid can play quarterback right. And we need that because, you know, things happen. Look at Alabama right. this year. Tua gets hurt. Someone else has to step in. You know, knock on wood, you know, mm-hmm. for Bo. But if something was to happen, you got to have someone there that you can count on, depend on, that's experienced, especially if you have an opportunity to go play for an SEC championship and get an opportunity to get in the playoffs. You better have someone there that can step in and not worry about oh, what people are going to say. I think I think yeah. they met together as a staff, and I think they're going to handle this thing the right way. And I think they're already handling it the right way. And I think this is a big plus for Auburn.
2: I agree. I, I'm excited about this. Get I think that Chad Morris could have you know a really unique weapon on his hands, and and hopefully we could see him be utilized in a multitude of ways, especially when you think about the guys that. We lost last season. Even somebody like Will Hastings, who was kind of Mm -hmm. that shifty slot guy, like he could be somebody like that. I mean, if you're related to Cam Newton, chances are you got something that we're going to utilize. You know what I mean? So I'm excited for it. I, I do commend his courage to do this, honestly. I mean, I think it's a great opportunity for him. But let's be honest, if he does take the field, You're doing so inside a stadium where your brother is likely in the hype video before you run out of the tunnel, and there's a statue of him right outside because he won the freaking Heisman. Like, there's just no way he's not going to be compared to Cam, which is so much pressure and almost an unattainable task, but he sees the benefit in this. I think that he's bought in. I think he saw how much Auburn embraced Cam and and how Cam has kind of stayed tied to the university. And and he wants to be a part of that, even if it means being in his brother's shadow, which is a little bit inevitable for him. So I, I'm excited that he took this leap, but I want to ask you from a quarterback's perspective, what does this do to Bo? How is he really receiving this? How do you allow yourself to let this motivate you more than anything? Like, hey, there's a guy here that's more likely to take your spot than anyone else. How do you allow it to drive you and not discourage you in the mentality of, well, wait a minute. Why would, why would this staff put me in this position to where once again, I'm competing to prove myself? How do you allow it to be positive over negative as a quarterback?
3: I think Bo is built for this. Um, I think history tells you that, you know, the kid likes challenges. You know, you always hear him speak of it, even in high school. And then this year, you know, when people was, you know, talking about him early in the season and how he turned things around there and then going to the Alabama game, how he came out and fought and led his team to victory. You know, when you play the quarterback position, whether it's in college or professional, you better get ready for competition every year. And that's a good thing because mm-hmm. it makes you it makes you work harder and not get comfortable. The worst thing you can become as an athlete is getting comfortable. Once you get comfortable, it's then and you mm-hmm. have to watch out. But as long as you're working your tail off and you got someone there that you feel like, man, I'm not giving an inch because I give an inch, this kid may go a mile, then I may be, you know. Catch myself in a a different situation. So let it motivate you and let it continue to build you to work hard. And I'm pretty sure Gus has already talked to to Bo about whatever the situation is and and how they're doing this. And I don't think in any way that this is a um, a challenge to Bo as far as, you know, your job is on the line. The more people you have on your team that are really good players and really good athletes, it helps you as a football team. Because not only – Not only do you not get comfortable, man, you're competing. And what happens when you compete? The best come out of you. You know, like you create competition. You have to create a competition environment if you want to win. In 04, you know, 15 years, oh gosh, 16 years ago, uh, (laughs) (laughs) time flies, 16 years ago, we created a competition (laughs) environment in practice. Like we had third down competition against our defense. We had, you know, Short yardage competition. We had goal line stand competition and it was the best against the best. And that's how we became Mm -hmm. better. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to do this because I'm scared. No, like let's put it all out there and the best man wins. And that's how you get better. I think that's where this football team is headed in, in the right direction.
2: That's very well said, and I agree with that. I don't think that this is a slight to Bo at all. I I think it's for the good of the team that we'll have more weapons. And honestly, as much as Bo loves playing quarterback Bo loves Auburn so if they've been completely transparent with him about all of this he strikes me as the type of competitor that would be excited about this not threatened by this so I think this is this is great all around and I'm excited for the potential of what it could do and hey if it brings Cam back to the planes more often that's good for all of us too. All right. Well, we are going to move in to one more topic before we bring in Cody Burns and obviously it is um kind of a hard transition because it's never an easy topic to talk about, but um on May 25th, which just passed a couple days ago depending on when you're listening to this episode, uh May 25th was the one year anniversary of the absolute tragedy Um, the accident that took the lives of Rod and Paula Bramlett. Now, obviously, these two were very special to the Auburn community. Rod Bramlett was the longtime voice of the Auburn Tigers, and they really made an impact far beyond just play-by-play for sports. I mean, their legacy will live on through what they meant to the Auburn family, how they treated people, but also through their two children, Shelby and Joshua. And Shelby has written a thank you letter to the Auburn family for all of their love and support given to their family the past year. The letter is absolutely beautiful. I mean, it is so well-written and eloquent. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend doing so. She closed the letter by saying, While we will all remember my parents in different ways, we remember them as Rod Bramlett and Paula Bramlett, a true Auburn man who married a beautiful Auburn woman, both of whom carried spirits that were not afraid and left a legacy the Auburn family will never forget. And if that isn't the most perfect representation of the Bramlets, I don't know what is.
3: This this was tough, you know, know, losing Rod a year ago. um, You know, my day was flipped upside down. I went from happiness to being at my cousin's wedding who got married to getting home and receiving news that, uh, you know, Rod and his wife had been in an accident and, uh, and everything. And, you know, it just goes to show you, man, life, you just don't ever know, you know, and don't ever take anything for granted. Each day is a gift. You know, I give credit to Andy Bertram and his wife, uh, you know, taking Mm -hmm. in Shelby and Joshua and, and everything. And, uh, you know, and being great parents to them and uh, and everything. But this has it, – it was tough, you know. It was tough. I feel like, you know, the Auburn Network did a great job this year with Andy and Stan and, you know, and the guys and hanging in there together and, you know, having a tremendous season, you know, in Andy's first year. And uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. an easy transition for Andy. You know, Rod and him worked together for almost 25 years. You know, they travel on the road trips together. And, um, you know, it was a big adjustment and uh you know we miss rod truly before the game start we always have this uh, little brunch over at the arena before we go over there and every time i come in there he's like oh there he goes smooth and uh <laughs> he always say guys you better get what you going to eat cuz you know big smooth is about to take over <laughs> so, you know and then uh so he just always had a crash uh charisma about himself that uh that just made others around him just feel comfortable His love and everything and especially for his wife, you know, we was at the funeral and everything, you know, his wife, friends got up and spoke so highly of her. And, and you know, you always hear so much about Rod, but behind every great man, there's a great wife. And uh, and, you know, if you look at any man that's successful, you know, you have to look no further than the one that's standing next to him. To watch their kids be so strong at the funeral, like, you know, there's not one casket up there, it's two. And, you know, that was just eating me yeah. up. And uh, and it was just so hard, man. And, you know, they they were strong. And, you know, when I see them at the games and stuff, and they come by and they speak. They still seem so strong. You know, credit to all that's involved. And like I said, Rob meant a lot to the Auburn University and the family and the community and not just him but his wife. Their legacy lives on. Their spirit lives on. And uh, they will forever be remembered.
2: Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. It really was, you know, you didn't have to know Rod personally to feel connected to him. And I think that that's why the resounding, you know, response and support that has been extended to them is because he had this way of, of making you feel like you were, you were right there next to him in the way he called games. He really had a talent for it, but it was also rooted in his love for Auburn. It was so evident the passion that he had for all of the programs that he got to work for. He even came, I'm part of the Charlotte Auburn alumni group, and we have... Um, quarterly meetings and we we get different speakers that will come. And it's usually, you know, prominent alum or things like that. And Rod came all the way up to Charlotte one time on like a Tuesday to, to speak to our group. And I had interacted with him a little bit as a student reporter when I was in school. He would come speak to the communications department and things like that. But uh, talking with him at that Charlotte Auburn alumni group, he just he had such great advice and such great encouragement and he just wanted to pass on goodness. He really did. You could just tell he wanted good for people. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that he, he poured that into his job as well. That's why he called games so well, because it was, it was his passion, but he wanted to do good for the university and for the people who loved Auburn and for people who love sports. So just can't say enough good things about them, but Shelby and Joshua, The two of them have shown such strength and perseverance. And honestly, it is a direct representative of the parents that Rod and Paula were because they created these strong, resilient, positive kids to carry on even when life is unbelievably difficult. I loved what Shelby said in her letter about how this has shown her that the Auburn family is is a true thing it's not just something cute we put on logos or use as a mantra for the sec network it's really how auburn fans feel about each other it it Mm -hmm. feels like a family and when a family member's down you do whatever you can to extend a hand and i'm i'm just so proud to be a part of it and and so happy that that auburn family could provide at least a little bit of relief to shelby and joshua
3: Exactly. You know, you couldn't say it any better. You know, it's just uh, family supports family, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's good, bad, ugly, you know, sighting, no matter what it is, family supports family, family sticks together. And I think that's why Auburn is so unique because the way we do stick together. And that's the reason I came to Auburn. I told you when I first came to Auburn, it was all about I was at the Auburn Alabama game and Auburn lost a close game to Alabama at home, and it was – people was teary-eyed, but they was – it was no bad-mouthing the players or anything. Everyone was just, like, together and uh, still supporting their team and and rooting them on. And that spirit, you know, I felt that day, let me know that Auburn was where I was supposed to be. So, you know, kudos to Auburn. And, uh, you know, guys, keep supporting each other. Even during this time, you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, we can get through this pandemic together, and that's how we're going to have to do it.
2: I love that. I I completely agree with you. Well, very difficult topic to cover and challenging to transition right back into. Positive football talk, but I think Rod and Paula would want us to do that as well. So we are going to bring in coach Cody Burns. But before we do that, you know we've got to tell you about our awesome sponsor. Our advertising partner, betonline.ag, premiered their special, The Final Dance, which is a roundtable interview from ex Chicago Bulls players, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper, as they discussed ESPN's The Last Dance Jordan documentary. Here's a clip from that series. The interesting, most interesting thing of the documentary was
0: watching this perception that Michael was too hard on his teammates. Did you guys feel that way? Was Michael too hard on his teammates or that's ridiculous. Great
2: players. We can all battle and compete. I mean, I
4: mean, MJ knew who he can talk to and knew he, who he had to push. He he was one of those guys who made you work harder because you see how he worked. So it made you work harder. And, and there was some guys who people would on, but I didn't think it was in a way that it was harmful or bullying. It's just that you ain't going to talk crazy to me and don't think I'm gonna talk crazy about you. Right. Now, when he was talking to Scott, when he was talking to Scott, well, and telling Scott stuff, and Scott wasn't man enough to stand up for who he was. You ain't doing that shit to me. I know, I mean, I wasn't there in, in you know, for the second people, but I knew most of, some of the guys on that team, and I know damn well if you're gonna call hard and a a few other guys the the bitches and hoes, they weren't gonna stand for that. I'm pretty sure they edited that out of the documentary that Harp going back back at him on that. But saying that, let me clear something up about this food thing, that he tried to take my food. I was just gonna ask you. Listen, listen to me. Where's the (laughs) camera? would have beat his ass, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen. He can say to the steward is all he want to. Oh, yeah, he shouldn't eat. That's OK. Go ahead. You know, I'm going to say what I have to say. But you come back and try to take my foot. I, I would have whipped you. That It wouldn't be no Air Jordan right now. Right. <laughs> OK? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. you know, stop the fight, Bill, you know, Stop the fight, Bruce. Hey. <laughs> hey. Yeah. It wouldn't have been no six championships. I guarantee you that.
2: Oh man, that's good stuff. Honestly, if anyone has not watched that Jordan documentary, I'm honestly jealous because I wish I could watch it again. I am incredibly upset that it's over and that I don't have any more episodes to watch. This thing was pure magic. So the fact that Bet Online has this opportunity for us to get a little more content in regards to this documentary, you definitely want to check that out. And Bet Online has so much fun available for you. So you want to make sure you go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code. Code mypod100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit so again betonline.ag promo code mypod100 auburn family please help us welcome today's guest we have former auburn standout a member of the 2010 national championship team and now co-offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach cody burns cody thank you so much for joining us today
0: Thank you
1: for having me, War Eagle.
2: War Eagle. We love to start it off that way. Obviously, the big news is the return of players for voluntary workouts come June 8th. So, let's just start with what this time period has been like for you as a coach and what the plan is for the guys now that they'll slowly be getting back into training.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. It's been a it's it's really been an interesting time. Um obviously with the amount of time off in the office. But the crazy thing is now everything is is so much uh, social media driven. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of our work has been obviously remotely, but everything you're doing is recruiting. And uh, I don't know if people really understand how much really goes into it as far as just being on the phone all day, whether you're at Mm -hmm. the house or the office. Um, And those things have really picked up. Because typically um, you would would do uh, spring recruiting um, April 15th until May 31st. And that obviously got got uh, shunned to the side uh, because of this COVID. So basically what we've done is it's just been recruiting from the house. We've done some film study from the house and uh, just doing uh, a lot of Zoom meetings with the players um, basically on a daily basis. I mean, obviously everybody's been at home and uh, kind of doing their own thing. We've had some workout regimens through our strength coach, Ryan Russell, that mm-hmm. he's had some really good plans for our players, but everybody's a little bit different. Some right. Some guys had access to a football field, some didn't. Some had access to a weight room, some didn't. So uh, I think the key is getting these guys back and, and trying, to, trying to measure and, and, and get a feel for where everybody's at and then uh, getting a plan in place from there. And uh, it's just going to be really good and really critical that we get our guys back and we're able to, to, to really have a plan, I guess, is the biggest thing.
2: Well, you bring up a good point, just kind of the discrepancy among all of these guys, just the access that some of them have or, or haven't had throughout this time. How impressed have you been as a coach with these Auburn guys and, and the initiative that they've shown during this time?
1: I've been really impressed because I think it's a, a testament to uh, the kids that we recruit and and the kids that are here on the team. And the fact that these guys w- went back home and, and some send me videos um. Yeah. Some, some text me on a day-to-day basis about different things that they're doing. And I think it just kind of speaks to their hunger, uh, speaks to their grit, and just the type of team that we have. And I think um, other players on our team really holding other players accountable has been really key. We have a few key leaders like K.J. Britt being one of them that comes to mind. Obviously, our quarterback, Bo Nix, and, and different mm-hmm. guys that are kind of the glue for this team and making sure there's some kind of accountability for these guys working out.
2: That's huge.
3: Yeah, it's great. That, you know, we do have Bo coming back this year because a lot of teams in the SEC, you look at it, this is probably the most turnover I've seen from the quarterback position uh, in quite some time. You know, all the teams are going to be changing in, breaking in new guys. So it's, it's fortunate for Auburn that we have a guy that's went through all the things he had to play through last year and a tough schedule and everything, get all that experience. I think it gives the coaching staff a little bit of relief, you know, heading to fall camp without having spring ball knowing that, you know, we have a guy that pulled a trigger that that's already, I guess you can say, in the weather, the storm's already, you know, the grass is green for him. So, you know, when you think about this football team, and Cody, you played on a national championship team. Um, you know, you caught your touchdown pass, 35-yarder uh, in the Oregon game. you all won 22-19. to 19. When you think back to your days in playing football, what made the team in 2010 so special to, to go and claim that national championship?
1: I think um, every every great team um, that wins a national championship. I mean, you can go back throughout the years. You got to have some special players, which obviously we had in Cam Newton and Nick Fairley. But as a whole, um, we were we were really a a player driven and player led team. Um, just a lot of seniors that that had a, a lot of experience and guys that were truly hungry. And even when the freshmen came in, they really had a had a role to to look up to the seniors and understand how we do things. And I think everybody fell in in line. And I think it was simple. I think we had a talented team, um, but also we had a senior led team that was, that was really player. I mean, I I said this before to some people that um, coaches um, can obviously put the game plan out there, but the players have to go make plays. And at the end of the day, the game is about players. And I think once a player, driven or a player led team takes over, that's when you that's when you become national champions.
2: Do you feel like you have that in this seasons group?
1: I think we do. I think we have um the key pieces um really where you want them. Uh the two guys that I kind of mentioned, uh KJ Brick kind of leading our defense and then Bo Nix leading the offense, um I think that's key. And and when guys obviously have proven themselves in the field like they have and also are vocal and, and also um lead by example type players, I think that's the key recipe um for, for obviously hopefully a national championship.
2: I actually want to get a a little bit more of your analysis on Bo because you're actually someone who can kind of relate to what he went through last season. In 2007, you were the first true freshman quarterback to start a game for Auburn since Gabe Gross in 1998. What is most challenging for a true freshman quarterback starting at a program like Auburn and how do you think Bo took on that role?
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this. If you really break it down and look at Bo Nix, um, there, there's very few quarterbacks. I don't know, even some of the great ones that we've seen, obviously Tua coming through the league, he didn't right. necessarily start as a true freshman. He he actually came in after Jalen Hurts was the guy. Right. Um, and then you look at Jake Fromm as well. Drake, Jake Fromm was a, was a good quarterback, but he didn't necessarily start off. It was Jacob Eason. But for Bo Nix to come in the SEC knowing that you're the guy, I think Mm -hmm. that puts a lot of pressure on a a kid coming straight out of high school, to be honest. And the job that he did, if if you look at the season, Bo Nix went to Dallas Stadium, um, Texas Stadium, and Mm -hmm. played Oregon in the opening game on ESPN College Game Day. He went to Texas A&M as a true freshman. He went to uh, the Swamp as a true freshman. He went to Baton Rouge as a true freshman. So Bo Nix is battle-tested. And the way that he handled the season, uh, leading us the way he did, is, is something special. I mean, there's the pressure was on him from day one, knowing yeah. that he was a starter, and so for him to be able to handle that and and be poised like he was says a lot about him as a quarterback and who he is. And I think that the future is so bright for for, for Bo, um, because number one, obviously he's hungry and he's a coach's son. But I just see Bo at the at the office, and he's almost like a coach. I mean, you see him in the office early, you see him in the office late. And he's hungry
3: and he wants to learn. He wants to be great. Yeah, you're exactly right. Because, you know, his dad, Patrick, you know, like you said, was a coach. And I think, you know, him coming to Auburn, you know, that's kind of something that a lot of kids don't have the opportunity to have. You know, the dad that's at home with them and uh, someone that can share what their experience is going to be like and to be built for the, for the play in the SEC. But, Cody, I want to channel off something uh, – you as a quarterback, you know, you had to go through three different offensive coordinators. You had to do a lot of change, and then you switched positions from quarterback to receiver. You know, now I feel bad for college coaches in a way because you spend so much time recruiting, so much time away from your families to get these young men to come onto your campuses. And then as soon as it's something don't go their way or something doesn't happen, happen how they think it should happen, they are ready to lead. How do you think that this rule that they're thinking about putting out there where players can transfer without having to sit out a year. Like, how much pressure does that put on college coaches, you know, just as a whole?
1: I I think this rule has definitely changed the game. Um, I I think that um, just, just if you really look at the rule, I think that there are some exceptions. But it has changed the game. I think as coaches, you have to plan for that. You have to understand and have true relationships with your players to understand where they're at. And uh, you always want to help the players out first and foremost, but also you have to plan for it because at any time, I mean, these guys can jump in the transfer portal. So I think it's more important and more prevalent today in this in, in this day and age to, to, number one, have relationships with the players and their parents as well to keep that open line of communication because um, it's almost a free-for-all to a certain extent.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think there's gonna be layers to that one. This is interesting for me, Cody, because we talked beforehand, and I I was a student when you were a player, and I feel like this is a a growing trend that Auburn athletes are returning, and you take on a coaching role or or whatever role it may be, and. That passion for Auburn and Auburn athletics is still there. I can just tell the way you're talking, like you, you care about these guys, you care about the product that you're putting on the field. And, you know, you even spent some coaching time at other schools. And, and I always love to ask our guests, you know, how did Auburn prepare you to go on and and do whatever else you did, but for you specifically, how did it prepare you to come back and now be molding the next generation of Auburn athletes?
1: Well, first thing I'll say is is if you love Auburn, Auburn will love you back. And uh, Auburn's placed me in this position uh, today, and it's it's truly a blessing um, to be able to say that I'm an Auburn alum, to be able to say that I won a national championship, so on and so forth. Um, but Auburn's done done many things for me. And uh, if you really just kind of break it down, um, it, it's just a special place. And just to be able to come back and to be able to, to give back to the players it's something special that I've always wanted to do. I mean, my goal uh, was to come back to Auburn by 30, and I did it by age 27. And nice. uh, obviously, I think that's, that's an, a testament to me, but also just a, a testament to Auburn. Because just like my first statement, as long as you, you treat Auburn with respect, you love Auburn, Auburn's going to respect you back and, and love you. And yeah. uh, just like you said, I, I think there's so many great um, stories and, and so many great testimonies of former players that are on our staff former alum that are also on our staff and, and not just football, I think other sports. And I think that really just speaks to the family that Auburn is. I mean, a lot of people talk about family, but Auburn is
3: living proof that family here is for real. It is something different about Auburn. And I uh, say that, but Cody, before we let you get out of here, man, Taylor may have one more for you as well, but what's your fondest memory of you when you was at Auburn? Wow. I mean, there's so many great memories to be honest that, that, um,
1: are, are obviously not publicized. I mean, for me personally, the biggest moment that I had was being able to get a chance to go to the White House. And I think, obviously, as an African-American, to be able to f- meet not just the president, but the first African-American president of the United mm-hmm. States was a big deal for me. And that that was, I had no idea that, that was going to happen. And a funny story about that, um, before we actually got into the White House, um, I had just got my license renewed and i'm six foot one and when i went to the to the license to get it renewed they made a mistake and put six foot ten but obviously it's had the zero oh, wow. to zero one. well as i'm as they're checking ids and doing background checks to get into the white house the the one of the secret service guys he looked at me and he said six ten huh <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, he's like yeah you come with me you come with me and so Anyway, it took about 45, 50 minutes extra for me just to get in there. I didn't think I was going to be able to get in there. And uh, I thought the team was going to go in there and get get presented the jersey and all that good stuff, and i wasn't going to be a part of it. And then here I am presenting Obama with the jersey. So that's a pretty cool (laughs) deal. That's a great story there.
2: That is too good. What a special moment. And honestly, you had several of them, and you continue to have them now that you're in a coaching role. So congratulations on everything that you have already accomplished, the success that you have had, and I believe that it's just the beginning for your success as a coach. So thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it,
3: Coach. Now go win on a golf course, man, while you got a
1: chance to.
2: <laughs>
3: I got no more. My time's ran out, man.
2: He's out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Thank you, Cody. War Eagle.
1: War Eagle. War Eagle.
2: All right, everyone. That will wrap it up for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening and following along as Jason and I break down all things Auburn. Hopefully, we're going to have a lot more to talk about now that players are headed back. We might even be able to go back to our weekly format. We just need enough content to give you guys really purposeful episodes. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you tell your friends, spread the word about our podcast. We want to make sure we've got all the listeners that we possibly can as football season and hopefully is approaching. Everyone, make sure you have a very safe, healthy, happy week. Be kind to one another. Love each other like the Auburn family should. All right, War Eagle.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.